Oh, good morning, church. We have a lively group today, I see. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Glad to hear everybody is dry and not too wet this morning. So, um, you know, we're on this series, like Pastor Mark talked about, not a fan, and really going to encourage you to, uh, to get plugged in and dive in. This is a great opportunity for you to get plugged into not a fan and into a small group in particular. It's only six weeks, so, you know, it's, it's not a... It's not a huge lifetime commitment from that perspective if you're always a little scared. But I'm going to encourage you to do that. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, I've been reading the book, um, and uh, it's been really good. Um, there's been some insights and, and things that have come up for me that's been really uh, pretty exciting, and I'm hoping that uh, will be revealed to you as well. So last week, Pastor Mark, um, I think, gave what was a very impassioned sermon last week. I don't know if you folks felt that way too, but um, he kicked off our Not A Fan series because, um, and it was so impassioned to me because he talked about, you know, bringing up the third best basketball player of all time in Larry Bird, right? And, and, then, and then when he brings up the nostalgia, like the San Francisco 49ers, who haven't been a, a serious contend, contender for like 20 years, I mean, if anybody is like 20-something, you're like, who are the 49ers, right? Anytime he brings up something like that, it's coming from the heart, <laughs> right? Now, in all seriousness, Mark's message was so impassioned to me because I saw him share truly what it means to follow, you know, to follow Jesus and how personal it was for him to see that every single one of you this morning follows Jesus as well and also to extend that beyond the four walls of this church. And one of the things you're going to know about this church, Kakako Christian Fellowship, KCF, is we, this may be a shock to you. We may not be the best speakers, okay? <laughs> um, but it's true. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard, Neil. I can hear you back there. But we, we may not have the most colorful stories. We may not be the most the gifted orators like a Billy Graham, okay? And, and we may not even be the best uh, you know, like these writing bestseller books like a Rick Warren, right? But I will promise you one thing, and it's that people who speak in front of you here at KCF, right, each Sunday will have, first and foremost, they will love the Lord. And they're actively humbling themselves uh, to be servants of the Lord. And it always starts with, with Pastor Mark, Right? Now, why am I talking so much about Mark? <laughs> You're like, he didn't pay me to say all this stuff. Well, let me explain a little bit of what I mean. Uh, when my wife, Tammy, and I first moved back to Hawaii in 2001 uh, from the mainland, right? We lived in the mainland for, gosh, over 12 years. Uh, believe it or not, we were actually attending two church uh, services every Sunday, <laughs> okay? So we would go to the first early morning service at New Hope Farrington. Um, and then after that was done, I think it was like 7.30, something like that. But then we would drive over to Wanalua Gardens Missionary Church and catch that service too. So we were doing two a days. And um, we did this because of me, <laughs> okay? It, Tammy was just being, you know, Tammy and being like, okay, whatever, Dave, if that's what you want to do. But it was because of me. And, and the reason was is because I love Pastor Wayne's messages. Um, and I think the guy, I think Wayne Cordero is an amazing orator. He's an amazing teacher, and, and while I thought the messages at Mauna Lua were also quite good, um, what I enjoyed most about Mauna Lua were, were the people, right? And we eventually, 
um, joined this small group at Juan Little Gardens Missionary Church, you might have heard, called The Haven. And, and The Haven was made up of some Gen Xers, uh, 30-somethings at the time. And it was really when we started to plug into The Haven, that small group, is when I felt like Tam and my relationship uh, as a couple, but also our knowledge of the Lord and what it meant for our marriage, really started to grow. And then one weekend, Tam was on a trip um, to the mainland, and I had prayed about, you know, to God about this dual church thing I was doing every Sunday, right? And, um, and with great clarity, it, it hit me so clear that, that Sunday uh, or that weekend. And it said, basically, I felt like God was telling me, Dave, attend one church and make that your home church. Attend one church, make that your home church. And deciding which church was kind of clear to me because, you know, since our fellow somethings at, in the haven were really made up of people that we, we really connected with and we were really growing with. And I felt like God was saying, these are the people you're going to uh, share your life with. These are people you're going to go through life together with. That at that point I said, okay, then if we're going to do that, then we need to track with them at Mauna um, And I felt that we needed to track with the sermons they're listening to and we needed to track what they're talking about in small group. And so it was at that moment that I, I told Tam when she came back, I said, you know what, I think we're supposed to just go to one church, and I think it's going to be Mauna Lua. And then it was like, okay, what about Pastor Wayne and the New Hope messages and all that stuff? And um, I felt with great clarity that God also had shared with me that Pastor Cal and Pastor Mark, um, who were the pastors at Mauna Lua at that time, had really one very important character trait, and that they were the servants of the Lord. See, Cal and Mark, to me, um, are and continue to be embodiments of followers of Christ. And, um, and were their sermons as good as Pastor Wayne's? Sometimes. <laughs> that voice sounded familiar, didn't it? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes, right? But I knew this. But I knew this. As I, as I know them now, both of them now, that the most important thing is that once I knew that these men were servants of the Lord, humble in spirit, practicing what they're preaching. I always knew that God would use them to, to speak through them. And it was at that moment, that was it to me. And um, I would turn into Pastor Wayne's radio broadcast weekdays at 5 p.m., right? Uh, I think that's what it was. I don't know if they still have it for quite a while. Um, and eventually, um, you know, that, that was just to kind of get my weekly fix, so to speak. But eventually, I didn't miss it. And, uh, and my walk with Christ actually accelerated when uh, most of us from the Haven actually then followed Pastor Mark to start this church, Kaka Christian Fellowship, 14 years ago. And what I found is that following Christ is, is so much more than coming to listen to the sermons on Sunday. Uh, the journey as a Christian is so full of these life experiences, right? We talk about real life, real challenges, real questions, real answers. The richness and the meaning and the perspective are really within your grasp uh, when you submit in humility to Christ. Now, make no mistake, okay? Uh, this is not a statement to compare churches or pastors. There are many, many wonderful Christ-centered growing churches we are blessed to have right here in Hawaii. My point is this, that there needs to be a time when you realize that you're not showing up to church to only receive something, but you're showing up to Sunday on, at church to build relationship, 
first with Christ and second with the body of Christ. And that, when that realization sinks in, you folks, I believe that is when your personal walk with Jesus truly begins. See, we are very fortunate to have people right here at KCF, like Pastor Mark, like Pastor Sonny, Pastor Max, who illustrate for us, I believe, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, not a fan. So whenever you, have, you feel like there's a, the definition might be a little fuzzy, right? We, we talk about follower, fan, and it might be a little hazy or unclear. I would say, as, as, as crazy as this might sound, <laughs> just look to Mark, right? And in all his goofiness and human frailties, like thinking Larry Bird is the best basketball player ever, which we know he's not. Just look at Mark. So what then is a follower, right? And I'm going to try to share with you this morning as I, as I read Kyle Eidemann's book uh, and I'm going through the, 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 the service outline here, what defines a follower? And for that, um, you can turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And, and this is what Jesus says, Right? Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, his follower, right, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. See, very clearly, the operative words when I look at this are take up their cross. Take up their cross daily, which simply means, and if you are following along in your notes, I kind of left you some blanks. I don't always do this, but... This time I did. But there's blank to blank, comma, blank to blank, right? Basically what it is is uh, die to self, submit to Jesus. And that's the main point this morning for you is, is what it means to be a follower, I believe, as it's outlined here in Luke 9, 23, is die to yourself, submit to Jesus. Now, I know this is easier said than done, right? In fact, it's... It's shocking, and, and, and against just about everything our society, I think, is telling us today, if you really think about it. See, I don't know about you, but uh, what I feel like I'm hearing more and more today in, in the media and, and just, just how people talk is it's really, rather than dying to self, I hear more about, like, building self up. Um, and when I went on Amazon and I put self-help books there were over 900,000 results. And I don't even think that was the end. That was just like, nine, it just stopped at 900,000. What I think we're hearing in our society today are things like, you need to be present in the world. You, you, you need to center yourself, right? You, you need to meditate and find that quiet place to find who you are. And we need to find what makes us happy. And we need to do this or do that for ourselves. It's all about the big me. And and while this can be quite appealing, and in fact, I would say this, our country was founded on liberty after all, right? Let the individual reign is sort of what you're hearing. No one is going to keep me down, right? And while there is positive in in this stuff, right, the self-confidence, what Jesus is saying, I believe, actually runs counter these very messages that we're hearing in a society. Because Jesus is saying, die to yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. So when you focus only on yourself and what makes you happy, 
by definition, it will only lead to a best self, like a short-term benefit, I think. And it's only when we die to ourselves and when we follow Jesus that we rise above the life's challenges and we can take it to that next level. So I believe this is what Jesus is talking about in Luke 9 when he says, take up your cross. And if you continue on, what Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 through 26, he says something that it's also quite interesting that is, reinforces this. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What? <laughs> right? But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so here's the irony, you guys. It's exactly when we try to control our lives and define truth only by ourselves that we're going to end up losing our lives. It's difficult. You see, for the enemy... The enemy doesn't have to do much to derail us if you really think about it. Because what all it takes is to encourage us to depend more on ourselves and less on Christ. You gotta get that endorphins, like, I can do it. I'm good at this. God gave me all these gifts and skills, and I can do this. I can do this. That we can convince ourselves, not too difficultly, that we don't need God. That all we need is the gifts that God gave us. And before we know it, we realize maybe we don't need Jesus that much. Even when we come to church, we can lure ourselves that maybe if I listen to that person speaking, I can pick and choose what I like about what they're saying. I can, when I read the Bible, I can pick and choose what I like about what the Bible is saying and, and pick what suits me best. But I'm going to tell you guys, that's super dangerous. Because when you make yourself the ultimate arbiter of what's right and what's truth, you're basically making yourself God, right? And when we follow our own self-defined values and thoughts and we don't humble ourselves to the word of God, we risk missing God's very best for our life and our family's life, right? Or even worse, even with our best intentions, we might really just mess things up. (laughs) And here's the amazing thing. I believe God has also given each of us a type of homing beacon to come back to him. I really do. And what is this homing beacon? Time and time again, I've seen this so often that when you're following your own rules without God and start to reflect on what's going on in your life, sometimes you get the sense that something's not right. Or, or you're going through your life and everything is, seems to be going great when something out of the blue just throws you for a loop and turns your life upside down. These are the examples of God's home beacon, I think. And maybe that's even why you're here this morning. It's something in your life is just not right. It's just something that's not sinking up. This is God's call for you. And instead, at that moment, when you get that nudge, like something's not right in your life, That's when you have a choice to make. You can humbly come before the Lord and seek his truth, not rely on yourself, but on the word of God that you're going to then receive prosperity and hope in the future. 
We know this passage in Jeremiah 29, 11. This is one that I know a lot of us go back to over and over again. I know I do. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The Christian life is a journey. It's not a pass or fail test. It's in the challenges and the celebrations of life that I think we have a choice to choose Jesus over and over again. See, I'll tell you a story. When I was 15, my mom, um, who I think will come in second service here, she remembers this, but she allowed me to get my driver's license at 15. And I was super excited. My mom taught me how to drive. Uh, I spent many weeks learning how to drive around Hawaii Kai, where we lived, uh, parking at, learning how to park at Kaiser High School, <laughs> you know. Uh, then around the streets all over Hawaii Kai, Kokum Marina area, uh, Kalaneanaole, you know. H1 freeway, and even when she took me first down Polly, uh, my leg cramped up because I was so scared, you know. Um, and then I learned to parallel park at Alamona Beach Park, like many of you. I was ready. I was ready. And so when the day came to take the driver's test uh, at the police station, I thought I did great. And when I got back to the police station, the, the tester told me I failed. And I was devastated. And then my mom drove me to Burger King on Baratania for a treat, right? And I was so mad. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, it's so unfair, you know? I didn't do anything that deserved it, right? I, I, I did great, you know? I didn't get into an accident, you know? But the guy, the guy told me, he goes, you know, David, I, I didn't pass you because you know when you went change lanes in front of the parked cars, to make the right turn at the stoplight. He goes, did you check to see if there was a driver in the parked car? Because what if the guy was ready to go, could have hit you? And I'm like, what? Come on, who does that? Right? But you know what? I went back a few weeks later to retake the driver's license test. And much to my dismay, I got the same guy. (laughs) And he remembered me. But this time, when I went to that same street, right in Kalihi, I made that right turn, right? I looked to see if there was any driver in the parked car that was first in the line of parked cars. Made the right turn with the blinker on, right? Looked, right? And he said to me, was there a driver in that parked car? I said, no, I checked. He goes, something like, good, I saw you. I saw you checked. He passed me. And today, I think about it. And that comment actually, I think, made me a better driver. Failing me made me a better driver. And I think that's the same way it goes with life, right? Life is this journey. It's not this pass-fail test. And thank goodness it's not fail and game over. Instead, through the grace of God, it's through our failures, we can learn and grow as long as we have humility And we humbled ourselves and submit to our ultimate teacher, Jesus. The following, I know, takes a lot of work, right? It's not easy. But I don't think when Jesus says to follow him, he means to just accumulate knowledge either, right? Because it's not like Jesus saying, okay, everybody, to follow me, you all got to go theology school, (laughs) right? Thank goodness. 
Knowledge is important, but I believe what he's really after is having a personal relationship with him. Knowledge honors Jesus, no doubt, right? Even following what you're supposed to do can, can lead to worship of him, no doubt. And while those are good things, if you stop there, I think you risk being a fan and not a follower. Jesus is quoted at uh, the prophet Isaiah in Matthew. He, in Matthew 16, 8, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And then in Isaiah 29, 13, he says, Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. See, the risk is just knowing Jesus is not enough. Just knowing Jesus is one-sided. See, a relationship with Jesus is two-sided. Your dialogue, you sharing your life with Jesus is really what he's after. And then when you submit your thoughts and actions to him, that's when you're truly following. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus is saying this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now catch this. Now this is the part I got to tell you kind of freaks me out, okay? He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Not a very touchy-feely passage. (laughs) Many people are doing good things in Jesus' name. They're prophesying, they're driving out demons, they're performing miracles. And yet, Jesus says here in Matthew, it's possible that in spite of all these actions, it's possible he may not have a personal relationship with you. That freaks me out. We don't want to be that person that does all of these things but does not have a personal relationship with Christ. So in this series, that's what we're talking about, is how to be a true follower of Christ and not a fan. And so there's going to be a lot to unpack in the next six weeks, but I'm going to share with you just a few things, and it's in here in your notes too, of what it might look like to be a follower. And this is just high level, okay, you guys? There's going to be a lot of things we're going to unpeel the layers in the series. But I'm just going to go through these six things. We have four listed here. There are two that got cut off. So if you're one of those that take notes, I'm going to give you the last two, okay? But number one, right? What does the follower look like of Jesus? The first R there is just read. See, in 2 Timothy 3.16, we know this one. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You can't get around this one. It's important to read the Bible and to know what's in it, right? And then humbling yourself, and this is the key piece, right? Then humbling yourself that what you may think is right but actually need some correction based on what you're reading in the Bible. That's the hard part. Sometimes we read it and we're like, yeah, I don't know about that. That was back then. Yeah, it doesn't apply. Oh, be careful when that happens. Be very careful. Read the Bible. And instead of go borrowing or buying any of those 900,000 self-help titles on Amazon, just start with the Bible. That's the first thing, to be a follower. Commit yourself 
to reading. And when, when you're like, yeah, but how do I do that? Hey, not a fan and, and plugging into a small group on this series is a good way to start, okay? The second one there, the P, is pray continually, okay? In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, that's exactly what it says, pray continually. See, as Christians, it's almost automatic to pray when what? When we're in need, yeah? I mean, think about it. Like, when you have something you want, like, oh, I wish I had parking space at Ala Moana. I can pray to God, right? So, or maybe, like, something, you're, something tough you're going through. You're like, oh, I can pray to God because I'm going through some tough times right now. That's good, right? That's, that's part of it. But you're also supposed to be praying continually, not just when you need something. Dialogue with God. How do you have a relationship with someone if you only talk to them when you need something, right? You got to dialogue and build a relationship continually, even when you don't need something. And I, I'll be honest, this is hard for me sometimes, you know? When I'm coming in to work and I'm praying to the Lord while I'm sitting in traffic, that's what I do. I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to wait and whatever you want to tell me today. I have no asks. I just want to listen first. And sometimes that's hard because your mind starts wandering, Right? I got this to do, I got this to do. I got, God, can you help me with this meeting? God, can you help me with this person? I mean, pause, quiet yourself down a little bit and just listen. That's one of the things actually I, uh, I picked up on that Camino de Santiago trip when I said, you know, I was trying to listen for God's voice is what does it mean to just wait upon the Lord and, and, and not force yourself into the conversation? The third thing, the T, is for tithe. And this comes from Luke 12, 34. And it's, it, this is the zinger, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if any of you keep, still keep a checkbook. If you don't, just go into online or mobile banking. I hope you have online mobile banking. No, but, um, but where you see your transactions, that's where your heart is, right? For many of you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say tithe, and some of you in your head are already drawing the line going, oops, <laughs> I control my money, Dave. I'm a good steward, and it's the responsible thing. And, you know, by the way, you might reason, I'm not even sure where the church puts the money anyway. But I'm a good person. I donate to charity, right? Church is just like any other nonprofit, you might say. Well, let me share with you this perspective. A tithe is giving of your best. It's your first fruits to God. See, back in the day, when you're, if you're a farmer, right, it's like giving 10% of your harvest to God right off the bat. Boom. It's not giving them the, the, the plants and, and the harvest that's kind of like wilted and you can, you can kind of throw away anyway. Giving God your, your best, the first fruits. And this is the point. It's not a strict rule. Tithing is not like some strict rule that churches say, give us 10%, you know? It's not like a tax. Even when we, when we do the tithes and offerings in the morning, it's not a donation. God doesn't need your money, right? It's not to like, hey, we're going to let the charity of the church so it can keep going. Not what this is about. We do it as part of worship deliberately, right? Because this is another form of worship to the Lord. And to get yourself aligned with God, to say, God, my first of all my finances, the thing I struggle with, I'm going to give to you. And when you do it, the finances God with the little g no longer controls you. 
It's again, another facet of this, this notion of what it means to die to yourself. Die to yourself. And as you die to yourself in this regard, especially in a tough area, you guys, like finances and money, where it's tough, right? That's when God's blessing is going to flow. The other, the other letter in there is S for serve. And this comes from James 2, verse 26. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. See, as a follower of Christ, our faith by definition comes with action. True faith isn't kept intellectually or even emotionally. True faith motivates us to act as the Holy Spirit moves. And this might mean you might be called to go on a mission trip. Some of you may, may go check out the, uh, the, the Japan mission trip uh, discussion out there at the office this afternoon. I think it's at 1 o'clock, right? Um, some of you might join Barry and Amy at Next Step Homeless Shelter, which they've been faithfully doing for many years. Some of you might say, you know what? Maybe I can join the team that sets up and cleans up the church on Sunday. The point is, just do something and be open to what God is motivating you to do to activate your faith. Activate your faith. You're here this morning because you probably feel like, okay, you know, there's something good, and you know, I like the message, or I, I like what I, the people, and something there, but activate it. Put it into action in some way. And that's what is being said here in James. Be willing to get a little uncomfortable. Die to yourself a little bit. Get involved in serving, however small. There's a couple more things that's not on the notes. The other one would be fellowship. Fellowship. And that comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Now, this is going back to the very first church, Christian church. And this is what it says. It says, every day... They, this is the church, right, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The first Christian church was one that met daily. And we meet once a week, right? I wonder where that came from. In addition, the first Christians shared meals in their homes and sharing meals just like today. It's a very personal thing, right? It's not easy for you to go have lunch or, or share a dinner with just anybody, right? It's, it's, a, it's a fellowship. It's an intimate thing. And I think back in Jesus' day, it was even more intimate because it's close quarters and they shared the same bowl and like they're digging in, you know? And this is not like sharing a pizza where everyone just takes a slice. This is like they're digging in there, right? It's intimate. Being a follower is about connecting with other members of the body of Christ. It's like I shared with the, with the Haven, that Gen X group we joined at Moana Lugar's Missionary Church. It was when we connected with that small group called the Haven is when we really started to grow. I would encourage you in this campaign, here's an opportunity that if you're not connected, to go and connect with somebody. Great time to meet people. Take a chance. And the last thing here that's not in there is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1, again, this is you know, Acts 1, verse 8. You know, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then in the book of John, we, we talked about this last series in chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. 
Unless I go away, the Advocate, this is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. As a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the, the truth is, you guys, sometimes the Holy Spirit, and Kyle Eidelman talks about this, we sort of treat the Holy Spirit as if he's like the JV team. It's like there's the God, the Son, and then, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit. But that couldn't be further from the truth. God, Son, and Holy Spirit are a trinity. They're the same. And it's this Holy Spirit that works in us. He intercedes for us, right? Even when we don't have the words to pray, he's interceding for us. He gives us the clarity of thought when we're making decisions that have an eternal consequences. He discerns for us what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord. He heals people. And as a follower, we are called to acknowledge and work with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And you want to talk about dying to self, right? Acknowledging and learning to discern and submit to the Holy Spirit who lives in you is exactly what it means to be a follower. What's very exciting to me is after we finish this series of Not a Fan, we're going to roll into a series specifically focused Holy Spirit. We awesome. Because we often, sometimes, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. But what's amazing is, as Jesus says, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He lives in you. And that's something, when I was reading the Kyle Ottoman book, he brings up this interesting point, and we talked about it as elders this past week, is that think about the folks who they walked with God, people like Moses and David. Isaiah, they walked with God, right? And Eidemann will say, and they would turn to you and say, that's great, I walked with God, but what is it like for the Holy Spirit, God, to, to walk in you? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's amazing. What is it like that when you seek him, he's working through you? When you pray, he's working through you. That's the opportunity we have as followers of Jesus. So in summary this morning, what do all these facets of following Jesus have in common? They require humility, and they require submission to Christ. First, you die to yourself, as we've been talking about, which means give up control of everything in your life, especially if you're someone who's super talented, okay? I get it. God gave you a lot of gifts, but maybe what God wants to do to work through you is for you to die to yourself. And the irony is that is when you give up control, it's when you become more free. Free from the little G's of God's in your life. Like the God of money, the God of liberty, the God of personal happiness, the God of successful careers, the God of getting my child into Harvard the God of sex or the God of football, the God of ESPN. Yeah, I said it, ESPN. But make no mistake, right? These are all gods with a little G of enslavement. These gods clothe themselves in these attractive outcomes to lure you away from following the one true God who is Jesus. See, Jesus is not one of many different gods out there. 
He's not a legendary Hall of Famer among a long list of Hall of Famers. He's not among the Larry Birds or the Michael Jordans or the Magic Johnsons of the world who we admire. He is the one and only, and he alone is God. And don't be a fan. Be a follower. Be a follower of Jesus. You stand with me. We'll close this. All right. I'm going to encourage you, hopefully this morning, um, hopefully something this morning resonated in some way with you, right? Um, like I do with all my messages, I read it to my 11-year-old son, Josh, just to make sure that I go, Josh, what did I say? What's the main message? And once he told me, I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> Hopefully you just got something as well. Uh, I'm excited for this series. It's not typical that right after Easter, right, you get into a deep series on following Jesus like this. Um, but we're doing it in obedience to the Lord. Pray with me. I mean, Father, you know, we're, we're sorry, God. Uh, we apologize, Lord, and would you forgive us, Lord, that too often we've been fans. I've been a fan. Intellectually, I might know you. Um, I know of you. I respect you. I honor you. I may even worship you. But what you're calling, Lord, we know that you're calling us to be more than a fan, but to be a follower. And so this morning, Lord, I, I pray for every single person here this morning that every single person here would be a follower of Jesus. That there'll be, there'll be no lack of clarity of what that means. So would you meet each person here as they need to be met this morning, wherever they are, God. I pray that you meet them now. And as we finish praying, that as they look, as each person looks up, Lord, that you will see followers of Christ Jesus. In your name, amen.